Hello and welcome to the Battle Cry podcast with Mark Mecklen. Catch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8pm Eastern. Go to conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's the Battle Cry with Mark Mecklen. Can we all agree that we all love America tonight? You know, it's so good uh, to see everyone because we've been all locked up for the past few years. Um, it's great that everybody can come out tonight. We're going to start with a prayer. Yeah, Eric Redmond, Eric, why don't you come on up here, sir? And uh, does anybody mind that we have a prayer here at Idaho? Yeah. Right, if you do, you might want to leave. So. <laughs> thank you for all you patriots that are here. Thank you for our founders, George Washington took the bullets, and yet they never touched his flesh. Horses killed up from under him and still made it because he was a remnant that started our helped start our country as a mini founders and you all are a remnant of patriots. Oh, I'd like to pray for that. Thank you, Lord, for the many patriots that are here, Lord God, and truly they are a remnant to, to make a difference in our national government, Lord. Here we are in the state of Idaho, and it, we all think it's a great state. I think it's a great state, Lord, and you created it, so help us to make a difference. And bless everyone that's here, Lord, and especially allow our true speakers right here, Mark and Rick, that they can get across how important this is to each one of us, Lord God. Give them the Give them the Holy Spirit to speak to each one of here. And again, I just praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Eric, thank you for your service in the legislature, and thank you for your continued services, the liaison for the Convention of States. Thank you, Eric. We run the clock for Janice, please come up here, our great friend Janice Halfman, to urge you all to stand up because in Idaho, we love America, we proudly pledge allegiance to America. Senator, senators, uh, you good. Go ahead. Thank you, sir. Right. There might be a staff job for me somewhere. All right. Uh, you know, when we, we talk about our our two guests this evening here at Idaho, you know, it always comes back to that phrase, uh, the men in the arena. These gentlemen have accomplished so much, and they've chosen to be here in Idaho to speak to you tonight, to answer your questions when they could be doing other things. Our friend Mark Meckler, uh, the highest compliment I can give to Mark is when the country was in peril. Uh, he was a co-founder or the founder. It depends on how humble he is of the Tea Party Patriots. I remember watching him on television. I remember him being the tip of the spear. And how many of us remember the Tea Party? 
You're talking about folks like all of us that stood up and made a difference, and Mark was there from the very beginning. And because of that passion with the Tea Party, he was always and always has maintained himself in the arena. How many of you remember Parlor? Remember Parlor? Parlor was great, right? Well, when Parlor was brought back, who do you think had the credibility to lead Parlor? Wasn't Kevin Miller? Wasn't the senator? It was Mark Meckler. Because people trust Mark and understand that he's going to make sure that everything is fair and just and live in a world where cancel culture wants to wipe out our movement. And another factor is he loves local communities. He hangs with the big wigs. He knows everybody, like the senator. The senator, that's how I'm showing my affection this evening. Um, that was a joke, everybody. Come on. Come on, nobody wants to see a fatty sweat up here, okay? Wasn't that funny? But he values local communities, and he values local talk radio. Most of us grew up in the age where we had that local icon in Boise that was Big Jack or others. Today, they're all being taken away. But Mark Beckler chose to talk to you through talk radio stations across the country. We're blessed that he, we as a champion of our forum, because without talk radio, what do we have? We have the clicks and the dips and the daps and the dops, right? So a big round of applause for our friend Mark Beckler. And how do you introduce Rick Santorum? How many people know Senator Santorum from his years? You know, we talk about the, the great victory we had with Roe versus Wade. We talk about uh, the states. We talk about the evilness of the world. This man here, uh, again, away from his home, away from his family, here in Idaho, because he believes in the Convention of States, he believes in having a discussion, a dialogue, a civil dialogue with all of you. And this is a gentleman who went with, uh, you know, uh, I was going to say Bob Barr, but that's not it. He was a former U.S. attorney, um, congressman as well. He went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Pat Buchanan, Michael Kinsley, all the old days of crossfire, because he believes in civil engagement. He ran for president. And look, don't blame him for Mitt Romney. Yeah. <laughs> when the conservative movement needed a candidate against the establishment machine, machine, it was this gentleman here. Underfunded, but not outworked. The New York Times and everybody else, former President Obama, the number one target, Senator Santorum, because of his message. And the fact that the Convention of States, that we have these two gentlemen here tonight, and that you're here, we're all honored. But we're honored to have both of you. So. Big round of applause for Senator Sanders. Uh, yep, go ahead, Mark. Right. You can tell we're very well scripted, right? <laughs> uh, I gotta say, it's, it, you know, you always hear it, it's stereotypical for speakers to say it's a great honor to be here. And it is a great honor to be here. But for me, maybe it's a little bit different reason. You know, I've been doing politics now in, in one way or another for about 13 years, and I came into politics as a grassroots guy. I come from a little town in Northern California, I had to escape, I became a refugee to Texas four years ago, but I lived, lived and raised my kids in a little town called Grass Valley, California. 
a lot smaller than here. I see a lot of heads nodding, people know where Grass Valley is, and it was a great place to raise kids. Very small community, tight-knit, a lot of ranchers, it's an old ranching and logging community, and it's where I still feel most at home in communities like that. And so for me, having traveled all across the country and doing media in New York City or being in Washington, D.C. with famous politicians, and I got to be with Tucker a few weeks ago. How many of you guys saw the Tucker interview? Yeah, so doing that kind of stuff, it's, it's great to be able to do that kind of stuff. I really appreciate that I, that God gave me the gift of, of being able to do, be out there doing what I believe in, but there's nothing I like more than being in a meeting like this and hanging out with people that are like me. I'm, I'm not a Washington, D.C. guy. I've never felt at home in Washington, D.C. From the first time I went to Washington, D.C. to do politics 13 years ago, I went to that city and I felt like, and it's sad that I felt this way, it shouldn't be this way, but I felt like this isn't my city. It belongs to third-party interests, people I don't understand, doing things that don't make any sense to me, and I come home to a place like this, being with people like me in Boise, and I feel at home. And that's why I do what I do, literally. Because I'm a grassroots guy, I got a couple of kids, I got dogs, if any of you watch me on Facebook, it's just the real deal. I'm not out there to prove anything to anybody. We're not out there to build our personal reputations or to profit. We're doing this because we believe in you. One of the things I hear very often as I'm traveling around the country that I really struggle with, and I hear it especially in legislatures as I travel around, is I hear legislators say, we can't have a convention of states right now because there are no Madisons and there are no Adamses and Patrick Henrys and George Washingtons. And I find it incredibly insulting, not because I could fill the shoes of any of those men, but because when I travel around the country in rooms like this all over the country, and frankly in legislatures all over the country, I meet men and women that can fill those shoes. This country of 350 million people is filled with literally hundreds of thousands of people, in my opinion, that could stand in the founder's shoes. And when people say that, when they say to me that we don't have those kind of people in this country anymore, that is what I would describe as a statement of elitism. And they're saying that they believe in themselves, generally speaking, they think they could fill those shoes, they think that they can tell us what to do, they think they can tell you what to do, but they don't think you're capable of running your own lives. And they don't believe that you could be trusted with the Constitution of the United States of America. And that document was drafted by people like you for people like you. Right? That was every man's document. You know, you look at the Declaration of Independence, and we look at it and we think it's so masterful and so amazing. Towards the end of his life, Jefferson wrote in a letter to one of his friends that there was nothing new or original in the Declaration of Independence. It merely expressed the sentiments of the common Whig of the time that was their political uh, party. And so I feel like we all walk in the shoes of the framers and the founders of the United States of America. I got involved in this movement in the Convention of States Project because of the failure, I hate to say this and I take responsibility for it, of the Tea Party movement. In 2010 we elected the largest swing class in the history of Congress since 1938. It was absolutely incredible, heavy times. And I went to Washington DC and I remember being there on Capitol Hill and thinking, everything is going to change. This is an incredible, historic, wave election. Congress clearly got the message. The control of, of the House of Representatives have flipped. Everybody in the country is watching. Everybody knows what happened. Everything's going to change. I was so naive. 
What changed? Nothing changed. Within five minutes, a week, three weeks, for some of them a few months, we lost the vast majority of members of that Tea Party class. And I watched it happen up close and personal. It was personally really rough. I knew a lot of these people. We had helped them to get elected. I had their personal cell phone numbers. Pretty quickly, they quit returning our calls. And they were eaten by the swamp. And I remember by 2012, uh, I was talking to friends about what I was going to do in politics and what I was thinking of doing in politics was quitting. And I'm embarrassed in hindsight, I'm not a quitter, but I didn't know what to do. You know, it's interesting when you have a political setback, I think we had one of those in the recent elections, you have a political setback and, and you sit around and maybe you're sipping coffee with some friends or drinking a beer on a Friday night and debating about what to do and everybody says, I don't know. You throw up your hands, I don't know what to do. And we thought voting would do it. We thought sending the right people would do it. I don't know. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. We don't all have the answers. But if you're doing what people like Rick and I do, and you're traveling around the country, and people are looking at you and saying, what do we do? Well, people like us have an obligation to try to figure that out. And it was weighing really heavily on me. And I feel very blessed because in 2013, I crossed paths with a guy by the name of Mike Ferris. How many people in here homeschooled their kids or were homeschooled or no families that homeschooled? Y'all have Michael Ferris to thank for that. Mike Ferris is the guy that started the homeschool movement in America, founded HSLDA, made homeschooling legal in all 50 states. Man, when I got a chance to meet him, that's an American hero. Founded Patrick Henry College, a great Christian college in Percival, Virginia. And I just, I couldn't believe I was getting to talk to this guy. And he asked me a question. He said, are you satisfied with what you accomplished in politics? And I said, no, I'm miserable. I'm ready to quit. I don't know what to do. And he said, that's because you're approaching the wrong problem. You think we have a personnel problem in Washington, D.C. We don't. We have a structural problem. We've broken the structure of our system of governance. And we can send as many good people as we want to Washington, D.C., and we're still going to get a bad result. And he went through some of the ways we've broken it, the 16th Amendment, the 17th Amendment, the way the Supreme Court has continuously expanded federal power under the Commerce Clause, under the Necessary and Proper Clause. And he said there is a solution. And it's found right under our noses. The framers gave it to us. It's in Article 5. And they told us, in fact, Colonel George Mason told us on September 15, 1787, that we needed to give the power to the people acting through the states to call a convention of states if the federal government became a tyranny. And he asked a question. He said, are we so naive that we believe that a federal government that becomes a tyranny will ever propose the proper kind of amendments to restrain their own tyranny? Anybody believe that? Are they gonna restrain their own tyranny? So they knew that back then as well because they understood human nature. And we kind of chuckle about it when I ask that question now. I'm pretty sure in the convention in 1787, they all laughed out loud. I think it was a forehead slap moment. We don't have video, of course. We don't have audio recordings. We have Madison's notes. Madison's notes say, at that point in convention, nin com, two Latin abbreviations for no comment, no debate. Nobody objected to what Colonel Mason said. And in fact, it's the only thing I'm aware of in the United States Constitution where there was no debate and it was unanimously adopted to put, a, put it in there, to give us this right, this power to restrain an out of control federal government. And here we are, over 240 years later, and we've never held a convention. Now, I have a pretty vivid imagination and sometimes I like to imagine what it would be like to actually get a chance to talk to the framers talk to the founders, what they would think about what's going on right now. And I love to think about talking with Ben Franklin, because he was pretty outrageous. He was the oldest guy at convention. Uh, I think he felt pretty entitled to say whatever he wanted to say, because I think he was 81 years old at the time. That's pretty old. 
back then. And I, I imagine myself saying to Dr. Franklin, man, the country's a mess. Obamacare, uh, presidential orders, they're doing whatever they want. Congress doesn't listen to us. They're in office for 40 years. And I imagine Franklin over his pint of ale saying, well, how about Article 5? You're using Article 5, right? How many times have you called the convention to restrain the fools? And imagine myself embarrassed in a low voice saying, well, you know, I mean, we're just kind of scared to do that. And I'm pretty sure what he would say. I probably can't uh, repeat the expletives in this mixed company, but I think he would say, I'm not interested in talking to you anymore. Come back and visit with me again after you've tried to use Article 5 and tell me how it went. And so that's where we find ourselves today. We find ourselves in a position that we have to ask ourselves, do we have the fortitude of the founders? Are we worthy to walk in their shoes? They sacrificed, right? Blood and treasure to give us this incredible country. And over the decades and over the centuries, many, many more have sacrificed and given everything so that we could have the right to step up and restrain the federal government. And now is the time. You know, raise your hand if you don't think the federal government is out of control. Anyone? Okay, so you're in the right place. I like that. You know we've got a friendly audience, generally speaking. I know we all agree with that. The question is, what's the methodology for restraining the federal government? And the answer is, I don't know any other other than a convention of states. People will say to me, well, we should just elect good people, masters. How's that working for you? People say, well, the states should just refuse to take federal money. How's that working for you? People say, oh, we should just use the Tenth Amendment. How's that working for you? We've been doing the same thing over and over for a hundred years, and hoping for a different result. Anybody know what that's called? Insanity. And so it's time. It's time for you and I to walk in the shoes of the framers and the founders and do the one thing that they expected we would do to save this precious republic, and that's to call a convention of states. So uh, Senator Santorum and I have been here. We've been in the legislature for the last couple of days talking to legislators. I'm very encouraged by what we're hearing. I think the movement is afoot here. You, you see a room full of people like this on a weeknight in Boise, Idaho. I'll tell you, it makes my blood boil with pride. I'm, I'm so proud of you guys for being here. I'm so proud to be part of this movement. And the main thing we want to do tonight is take a lot of questions. So I'm going to close with that. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here tonight. Mark Meckler is fighting every day to call the first ever Article 5 Convention of States to drain the swamp once and for all. Join Mark and millions of other Americans by signing the official petition at conventionofstates.com slash pod. And now, back to the show. Mark has taken up all my time for opening remarks. <laughs> Since we were here to take a lot of questions, I figured maybe I should probably uh, get to that sooner rather than later. I, I just want to thank you all for coming out. Uh, sincerely, uh, last time I was in Boise was uh, 2012. I was running for president at the time. And, uh, anybody there at Capitol High School? Uh, well, okay, a handful. That's why I lost. Uh, and uh, but it, but no, actually that night was uh, was a great crowd. It was a lot of fun. It was actually a very memorable event. Uh, I had 
uh, several good events in Idaho. Uh, Coeur d'Alene was a huge crowd, another another great event. Uh, really thought we had a chance of winning Idaho, and uh, as uh, as Kevin just said, we came up a little short in Mitt Romney, and and all I have to say to all of the people who um, who supported Romney over me, I told you so. <laughs> Um, uh, that's sort of a good way to start. Uh, he, he didn't listen to me the first time again. Okay? You want to be on one of those things, you know, fool me once, shame on me, you know, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. So, uh, there's a chance to get it straight, get it right, all of you didn't raise your hand. You weren't there the first time to help me, now you have a chance to make reparations. It's a popular world these days. And, uh, and, and do the right thing. Uh, I'll just make, really, I do want to get to questions because I think that's the most important thing, to hear what people's concerns are out there. Uh, I just want to, to, to those of you who do have concerns, and probably some of you here uh, came here and are not supporting uh, what, what we're trying to accomplish, I just want to give you uh, uh, a little perspective. Neither did I. Uh, when this idea first came to me uh, back in 2012, uh, 2013, uh, I was uh, I was not a supporter. Uh, I was convinced that uh, you know this was not as serious a problem that needed to do something dramatic, like have a convention of states. Why did I feel that? Well, because I'm a conservative. I mean, I assume most of the people out here are conservatives. And when someone comes to a conservative with a new idea, what's your immediate reaction? No. No. It, that's it, no. We do things that we know work, right? That's what conservatism means. It's it's. Uh, I know uh, one of my favorite definitions. It's the stewardship of your inheritance, right? So you'd rather try to be good stewards of what you've inherited that you know has worked and is tried and true. And so when someone says, "Hey, I got this great new idea. Let's amend the Constitution." And they're like, are you crazy? Why would we want to do something like that? I mean, that's they, uh, it's never been done before using the convention state. So that was my reaction. So for all of you who that's what your knee-jerk reaction was, check, good, you're a conservative. But what also do conservatives do? See, unlike the left, we don't just react with how we feel and just do what feels right. What do we do? We actually learn. We gather information. We want to know what is true, not what feels true. And so you actually do your homework. Well, I'll be honest with you, I didn't for a long time. In large part because I was running for president, not once but twice, and I wasn't running for the state legislature, and, and I wasn't really that concerned about what the states were doing at the state legislative level. Secondly, I actually thought that is certainly in my time in the Congress that Republicans were still fighting the fight. That while you can make the argument, and, and I know some will, that you know we we bended and folded and conceded on some points, which is certainly true. The basic feeling within the Republican Party in Washington D.C. was we're still for lower, less spending. We're still for less power in Washington. We're still for pushing things out to the states. We're for balanced budgets. We're for all the things that Republicans are for. We're not winning, but at least we're still there and we're trying. Uh, and then, then I saw something happen that, that really disturbed me. Two things. Number one, the left got worse. 
I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, you know, it talks about how, you know, the parties have so divided now and, and you know, they always, of course, the mainstream media points to Republicans that they've gone off the deep end. No, they haven't. Name one position the Republican Party has changed on in 50 years. None. No, what's happened is the left has gone crazy. And the progressives have taken over that party. So that was number one. So now we have a party that is full-on socialist, heading toward the C-word. So that's the one thing that happened. Number two, and I know you have a lot of, you have a lot of fans in this room, and I'm one of them, but I just, just got to be honest, was the Trump administration. And what do you mean the Trump administration? I love what the Trump administration did. I didn't like how they did it. I didn't like all these executive orders. I was for building a wall, but I'm not for building a wall outside of the Constitution. I'm not for executive orders that bring power to the presidency that isn't his. I'm not for rulemaking that is not consistent with the law in which the rule is made. That's what the other side does. That's not what we do. See, we are the defectors of the Constitution. And what I saw out of this administration, the last administration, really made me question that. And then he did one thing that sort of tipped the balance. It actually crashed and burned my, uh, my sense that we were still on all the same side. President Trump, I know some people forget this, but it's true. He came out and advocated for the ending of the filibuster in the United States Senate. Because he was so mad he couldn't get his bills passed in the Senate. And Republicans joined him. Now, you fast forward to just last year and everyone is saying, oh, it's a threat to the Republic if the Democrats eliminate the filibuster. And thank God for Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. But Donald Trump was with them four years before. And so at that point I said, okay, the party in Washington, the Republican Party, has abandoned constitutionalism. They've abandoned conservatism. Look at the spending that happened during the four years. When I left the Congress, the GDP, the, the percentage of debt to the GDP of the country, the gross domestic product of the country, was the debt was 23% of the gross domestic product. It's now over 100%. So things have gotten worse financially. Things have gotten worse with the woke culture that we live in and the excessive government spending and now neither party wants to defend the Constitution. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I think it's time to do something. And so that's what I said, I think it's time to do something. And I ran into this guy, Mark and I were social friends, we had never worked on, and again, I was not for CLS. And we happened to meet at a funeral and had a chance to talk about some things. And I was expressing my frustrations as I've just expressed to you. And he said, well, you should, I never thought about it, but why don't you come and join us at convention today? I said, no, I'm against that. <laughs> he said, well, if you looked at it, well, no. But, you know, it's, it, I, you know, right? Oh, what are we convention? All these things you're throwing, you know, these buzzwords you kept hearing about. He said, well, why don't you do what a conservative's supposed to do and learn what it really is? Learn the facts. Dig deep. And so I did. It's like an atheist who reads the Bible and all of a sudden finds they're a Christian. And that's what I did. I read all this information. The more I read was like, this is exactly what our founders intended. And so 
I'm here as a reformed smoker who is, uh, as a result, as zealot uh, on the issue of convention states as reformed smokers are. And I am, I am here to, to answer your questions as someone who asked the very same questions in all likelihood as you did as recently as a year and a half ago. And so I welcome the opportunity to, to talk with you and look forward to a lively debate. Thank you. This has been the podcast version of The Battle Cry with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod and become part of the solution that's as big as the problem. Thank you for listening.